What's up world? Welcome to the Hustle and Motivate podcast. If you're searching for your purpose, trying to overcome a drug addiction, in debt or have massive dreams, but don't know where to begin, lost in life and want to make a change for the better, then this podcast is for you. Buckle up and let the motivation begin. Here is your host, Luke Mind Power. What's up everybody? This is Luke Mind Power. Welcome to episode number two, Hustle and Motivate. I have a super special guest with me today, Wasim Debussy from Sydney, Australia. He is a male life coach, social media influencer, and he owns his own gym business. His mission is to help as many men as possible have the best relationships and be the role models for their children. I've been following Wasim for the last month on Instagram and Facebook, and I can see the positive impact he is making in the collective. His no bullshit, tell it how it is attitude will definitely strike some chords with the world. And this is the beauty of authenticity and freedom of speech. Welcome, Wasim. Thank you very much, Luke. Appreciate the great introduction, my man. It's uh, it's great to have you here, man. Um, you know, as I said in my first episode, this is uh, this is all new to me, man. Um, and you know, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start if you want to be great. A hundred percent, brother. I totally agree with that statement. It's uh, it's it's a, a privilege to have you here, man. You know, um. I believe your 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 heritage is is Lebanese, right? That's correct. And uh, and you know something for me, obviously I spoke about living in Lakemba and I spoke about going to school at St John's and you know so many of the boys and so many people that I was surrounded with for so long were Lebanese. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's it's you great. You on Road, right? I did, man. One of my cousins lived there. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's awesome. You know, so. Um, one thing for me definitely is, you know, reaching out and, uh, you know, my my uh, message is always, a, a, you know, a universal format of connecting with everybody. You know what I mean? So um, it's great to have you here, man. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine, Luke. Really appreciate the invitation. So I mentioned, obviously, that you're a life coach. Uh, you're on social media. You've got your own gym. Um, how did this all come about? How did you actually, you know... This sounds like a lot of work that you have to deal with every single day. Man, my passion has always been to help people. Um, I've always loved being able to be in a position where I can serve, I can contribute. Um, my journey started about 16 years ago when I went to my first live event and I went to my first Tony Robbins event, UPW. And I remember that um, at that event, it actually changed my life. I walked out of there a completely different person completely different view on life and my journey started there the age of 30 i had high blood cholesterol i had quite an embarrassing moment at work because i was clinically obese wow uh, so I was pushing over 100 kilos i'm not a very tall guy so it was quite a lot of weight for me and that's when i started with my weight loss and fitness journey and um 10 11 years later i'm own a gym because i'm passionate about making sure that people have that opportunity yeah, uh, that's pretty pretty amazing, man. Uh, you know, it's always uh, always these things that are challenging us and that we have to go through. Kind of always uh, tend to move towards uh, you know something that we want to create in our life that we can actually use what we've gone through and then make a difference in other people's lives. But not everybody's life is like that, is it? No. And and uh, you know, so I commend you for doing that because uh, you know it's people like yourself. Um, that make a difference in the community. 
Thank you. Thank you. You know, so um, yeah, that's awesome. But you mentioned also Tony Robbins, and uh, and I connect with Tony Robbins as well, bro. I um I remember uh, back in two thousand and six when I was running my own business, I was selling perfumes on eBay. Okay. And um and I was listening to one of his uh, Get the Edge. Yes, definitely. <laughs> you know that very good program. Yeah. So Get the Edge, and I remember him talking about incantations. Yep. Right. They and, absolutely changed my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that I'll, you might have heard me speak about is when I started my weight loss journey, I used incantations. Wow. Every day I would be in the car, driving to work, driving to the gym, driving home, and I would be doing these incantations that I've got a six pack, that I'm, my body's a ba- uh, fat burning machine, that uh, you know I'm fit and I'm healthy. And I had to keep saying that. And I was literally in the beginning lying to myself because I wasn't. I was a size 40, 42. Wow. But with time, I started to believe it and then the weight started coming off. There was action involved, obviously. Yeah. But the belief was what started the action. I love it. I love that, man. And, uh, you know, that positive self-talk, I don't think that a lot of people around the world realize how important and how empowering it is for you to actually empower yourself. 100%. To tell yourself that you're amazing. To tell yourself that you can do it. To actually speak it. You know, not just think it. Because a lot of the times we're all always in our minds. And it's like, actually, it's time to get out of your head. That's right. Get out of your head. That's right. 100%. <laughs> people don't understand. Um, people don't, it's not that I don't understand. People don't realize. They don't take account of how much... Uh, self-conversations we have and the conversation we tell ourselves is so powerful that we actually believe it whether it's true or not i see this so many times in people i work with people i coach people who my employees and it's the self-talk that they tell themselves which really is projected in how they are in life it's one thing to do personal development, and I'm a big advocate of it. Like I said to you earlier, you know, I've been doing it for about 16 years. I spent almost $200,000 on wow. just personal development. This year alone, I spent $25,000 on personal development on myself. Wow. But nothing beats that self-talk. Yeah. It's, nothing it's, beats it's what amazing. you tell yourself and how much you believe it. Mm-hmm. I remember that story that Tony Robbins was talking about how he had to run 15 miles or something, mm-hmm. and he had to command himself while he was running, that he was going to get there. That's right. And and he made it, That's you know. 100%. Um, and so that was the one story that I remember from Tony Robbins at that age. And that was like 13 years ago for me. Yep. Um, but from then on, it's, it, um, you know, I was just living another life experience. I was, you know, not sure where I was going. But you mentioned self-development and... One thing for me, which has definitely been challenging is the fact that I was unsure of myself because, you know, there's always, there is a massive expectation of a lot of young people these days when they're at school that they are expected to, or if you go to university and you get a degree, then your life is going to be so-and-so. Yep. Right. So the question to you now is because you've done so much self-development and you've spent so much money and time investing in yourself, how, could, how do you explain to someone the difference between going to university after finishing school or investing in themselves, working and doing courses or you know going to seminars or conferences 
and and investing in self-development like what's the difference and how, how would you explain that to someone the difference is university gives you technical knowledge they don't teach you at university how to look after yourself. They mm. should do that at school to the extent that they should be doing. Mm. One of the biggest challenges in today's education system, and I used to be a teacher. My wife is a teacher. She's a um, coordinator for a high school. Mm-hmm. And you know, i got kids who are in high school. And one of the biggest challenges that I see is there is so much focus on the content and the technical information, whether it's mathematics, whether it's English, but there's nothing to really talk about what is going on in a person's head. Mm. And I see this with my own son. I can give you a, a perfect example with my son. He started year 11 this year and he was struggling. He's a smart boy, extremely intelligent, but he was struggling because he just wasn't developing as a person. Now, I took my son two years ago to a Tony Robbins event. It's something that I give a gift to every one of my kids at the age of 14. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> That's awesome. And I just sat him down and I'm like, son, You've got your school, um, you've got your timetable, you've got your week organized. Where have, you fit in, where have you fit in personal development? He's like, Dad, I don't have time. I'm like, the fact that you don't have time, you've got to make time. Yeah. It took a good month, a month and a half, two months for him to actually start implementing it. Yep. And in the beginning of the year, he was under so much stress. He was just always catching up. There was so much work at school. But then when he started implementing half an hour in the morning, or just personal development. And I said to him, find something on YouTube, find someone who you connect with and listen to them. Once he started doing that, his marks just shot up. Wow. Because people don't realize that our state, our emotional intelligence, our emotional, um, how we control our emotion, the things that we say to each other is actually going to make a massive difference in the output that you have in life. Man, See, when I was 14 years old, obviously we didn't have the technology that we have now. That's right. But even even so, I mean, you know, everybody evolves differently. And I don't think I would have connected at all if my mum had said, listen, I want you to do this or I want you to do that. I think any part of learning or studying or anything like that, I just didn't, I, I developed very late. I've always been a late comer. I've always come from, <laughs> the, you know, I'm, I'm behind everybody who's, you know, five years ahead or you're never behind i know exactly what you need exactly exactly right but that's how i felt yeah because i'm i've been so influenced by what everybody else is doing that's right and i think that's some that's a problem for a lot of people it is it's a hundred percent a problem for a lot of people because we live in a society today where everything is so amplified especially with social media with so much exposure to the world everything is so amplified and we look at other people who seem to have lives that we want but the reality is it's just a show yeah and until we actually understand that we are not competing with anyone other than ourselves, that's when we are going to liberate ourselves. it's at that point that we're going to take our life to the next level and in terms of what you said, uh, it's a very, very, um, it's actually quite an important topic and something that I'm passionate about, which is, you know, your parents, if your mom had told you to listen to personal development at the age of 14 and whatnot, you probably wouldn't have connected and you probably wouldn't have done it. And I get that many people, many parents have that challenge connecting with their children. And this is one of the reasons why I do what I do, because I want to help fathers become the number one influencers in their kids lives Mm. not some guy on facebook or some guy on instagram how can you as a father become the number one influencer to your children 
Mm. And that is something that takes work from when they're young. It takes work in connecting with them, in talking to them, in building that relationship, building that friendship, taking them to events like I took my son at the age of 14, took him to um, Tony Robbins. And it took a good two years for that learning to actually start manifesting itself mm. in my son's life. Mm. And I was like, well, I took you to Tony Robbins and there was a good two years there where I wasn't seeing that great personal development. But then when he hit year 11, it was like, bang, change overnight. Yeah, well, you know, the the hardest thing I would say that people are facing today is time. You know, not having the time because as we move on and as technology grows and as, you know, things get more expensive, especially in, you know, in, it's not cheap to live here in no. Sydney, you know, um, but so many parents are consumed by their work. Yep. And so because one parent's working too much or the other parent's working too much, they're not available, the kids are being looked after by the grandparents, um, that's something that comes into play and it's difficult for people to actually bring up their kids in the right way. That's right. And I and look and I totally get that. And again, one of the biggest challenges for us men um, and fathers in general is that generally, um, you know, even if the mother's working, usually the mother would spend more time um, with the children than the father would. And being a male, being a provider, being a protector, we out there, we're hustling, we're trying to bring in the money, we want to provide for our family. So the reality is, our time is limited. So how can you turn that limited time into quality time versus quantity? Mm -mm. Because when it comes to your children, it's about the quality of the time. And the reality is most, all of our children look up to us, especially if you're a father. Absolutely. You know, you, you, we, we all have fathers. We've all looked up to our fathers. And it doesn't take a lot of work. It just takes focus. Mm. I make I make sure that I the spend, intention. That's right. Yeah. So my intention when I'm at a family dinner, sitting down with the, with the kids, is to make sure I connect with each one of my kids. If I see one of my children going through a struggle, I take the time and the effort to sit down and speak to them, and they see that as something great because like dad is taking time out of his day to come and speak to me. I'm not going to dad, but it's having that connection and understanding that intelligence and being able to read your children mm. and say okay well there's something wrong like i'll give you an example my son um last week was uh, a bit quiet um i saw a bit of a change in his behavior um he wasn't coming up to me and saying good night every night he wasn't saying good morning in the morning he was skipping the gym and it was a behavior that was happening for about a week or a couple of weeks and i was like there's something wrong i spoke to my wife again has he said anything to you and she said, no, I'm like, there's something wrong with him. He's not right. So I, like you said, I had the intention. I went into his study and I said, dad, what's going on? And he's like, nothing. I'm like, dad, I can see a difference. It literally took about 20 minutes of my time and he opened up. Mm. The next day, he was a completely different person. Mm. So it's not about the qu the, quanti uh, the quantity, it's about the quality and the intention and being present with your children. Absolutely. I believe it's not about what you say, it's about they, they see what you do. That's right. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's the major key, I, I believe, you know, because it's easy to talk and say, hey, do this, do that. But it's actually, they're watching you. Yep. You know, they're modeling you. They are. You know, so, um, but on the, on the topic of parents... Uh, you know, because, you know, my parents came from Poland, they came from Europe back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel like 
they brought the old culture, the old mindset, and the way that they believed life was meant to be yep. into Australia. And they brought us up the best way that they knew yes. they could, right? Um, I don't know. Did you have a similar experience as, as that? And, and how do you see yourself as a father now? Uh, you know, obviously projecting a different kind of mindset towards your children and, and how you want them to develop or, you know, giving them the, uh, the freedom to choose how they want to live and, you know, what's expected of them. Yeah. Look, I'm a migrant myself. So I was actually born in Lebanon. Oh, cool. I came here okay. when I was 10 years old with Beautiful. my parents. Awesome. So I've exactly the same as you. We came here in 1988 um, and my parents came out here. My dad was 30 years old at the time, so he was quite young. Um, and they brought the culture with them. Mm. And our house was very much a Lebanese household. Yeah. We had Lebanese cult, uh, you know, we were very strong in the Lebanese culture. My parents instilled that in us. And again, same as your parents, my parents did the best they can mm. to bring me up. Mm. The challenge that my parents faced was there was a culture shock. There was a culture disconnection. Mm. They wanted the best for me, but they didn't understand what I was living. They didn't understand what life was in Australia, what it was like for a teenager in the 90s in, you know, in Southwest Sydney. Mm. Um, and I'm sure you, you know, many children have this. There's that disconnect between what their life is at home and what their life is in that school and with their friends yeah, yeah, yeah. and then what their life is with their extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a big challenge. And I think for me as a father now who's grown up, has his teenagers in Australia, has had the life experiences of a normal Aussie, um, I also understand the challenges my kids face. Mm. And the challenge is, yeah, we need, you know, we have a strong belief in our culture also. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife is Italian, so we've got both Lebanese and Italian cultures that, you know, we want to maintain in the family, mm-hmm. but also give our kids the opportunity to, you know, live present in today's society, in Australian society, because mm-hmm. this is our home. Yeah. So that is a challenge, and that yep. can only be overcome through an understanding between me and my wife and what we want to achieve for our children, what we want to achieve in our life, and how do we bring that down to our kids. Yeah, that's powerful. That's awesome. Um, the, the the challenge with me growing up with the whole culture, um, and, you know, like I said, grew up in Lakemba, and, and a lot of the Lebanese boys specifically were very, uh, and, and some of them still are, um, very passionate about the culture. Yep. You know, more so to the point that, you know, even when the Cronulla riots were going on, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, we were better than the Aussies mm-hmm. because we're, we've got a culture. Yep. You know what I mean? And there was always that, um, you know, the energy was that, even for myself, I, I, didn't, I didn't see myself as being Australian. I saw myself as being Polish. Yep. You know, and, and that was the same thing with everybody else who was Italian, Greek, yep. uh, Lebanese. Yep. It was like, nah, we're from Lebanon and yeah, our country's the best and yep. all that kind of stuff. And, and that was the way that I thought as well. Yep. You know, didn't even realize the blessing that we have of living in such an amazing country. Mm-hmm. You know, I see the bigger picture now. But what kind of message can you give to maybe a 15-year-old or a 17-year-old or even a 22-year-old male now growing up in Australia thinking that, you know, like showing off, obviously there's nothing wrong with showing off your culture, but owning that, hey, I'm Australian. Yep. I was born here. Yep. This country is one of the best countries in the world. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and appreciating that because I still feel there's a there's a stigma from um, the way that people have been brought up to believe that, uh, you know, this is our heritage and this is better than the country that we're living in, Australia. Mm-hmm. Look, I agree. There is still that stigma and that thing, again, this whole dogma about cultures and whatnot, you know, I'm a big believer that I want to hold on to my culture. There's yeah, certain sure. things in my culture that I love yep. and there's certain things that I actually want to you know, um, pass on to my children. Sure. Um, but they also understand that they are Australian. Yeah. Australia is their country. Australia mm. is their home. Mm. Yeah. I don't see myself, um, you know, in in my future. I mean, you know, I'd love to go live in abroad for a certain period of time, you know, have that experience, take my wife, maybe even take my kids one day, go live abroad somewhere for a couple of years. But at the end of the day, we're going to come back here. Mm. This is our home. Mm. Um, especially in my family, you know, like I said, we've got... Um, yeah, my wife's parents, my wife's family is all here in Australia. My family is all here in Australia. We're not leaving this country. So my kids need to understand that this is their home. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. And it's going to be the home of their children. Yeah, yeah. So they need to work in the community and better the community and enrich the community. Yeah. And this is one of the beautiful things about Australia is it is a multicultural society. Yeah. And we can be who we are and still be friends. Exactly, yeah, it's true. And, and but But when you look at... Uh, Sydney, for example, and you map it out, you've got different people uh, in these uh, different yeah suburbs, yeah. and and people are sticking together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because there's still that uh, you know energy of uh, we only want to be around our people. Yep. You know what I mean? And and so that is difficult. You know, I don't I don't necessarily see that as difficulty. I see that as part of the multicultural. Okay. Um, world that we live in and for me it's actually enriching Australian society for mm. example um, like I love Asian food yeah for sure so for example you know I want Asian food I go to Cabramatta yeah 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 you know and I know I'm going to have a massive array of different Asian food mm-hmm. that I love you know um, if I want for example Indian food I'll go to a certain area and I'll get that if I want Lebanese food I'll go to you know Bankstown or the good point, good point. so I don't see that so much of a challenge mm. if we as a society be accepting be accepting yeah uh, that's and that's what it that's what it is and I think with time we're going to get there yeah um, it's Australia I think we've come a long way though we have come a long way yeah. but Australia is still a young country yeah that's we're true we're still a very young country mm-hmm. so with time I think 20 30 years down the track you know when um, yeah I'm when my grandchildren are running around, mm. I think they're going to find it a lot easier to move around and say, you know what, hey, I want Asian food. If I want Chinese, I go Chesswood. Mm, I, you mm, know, mm. There's nothing wrong with that if we are open as a society to say, you know what, this is just pockets of where this is enriched. Yeah, I, I, I believe that and, and I agree with you. I, I feel that there's still, um, there's still a bit of um, you know racism around. There's still a bit of people uh, judging each other from what part of the world you're from or what your heritage is. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, but I think, you know, with uh, with a message like we're speaking right now um, and being able to connect, it doesn't matter what country you're from or That's what right. your religion is or whatever, you're still able to, you know, connect and, and to, you know, speak with an open mind, you know? Mm. And, and it's the work of people like you and I that... You know, we do connect. We are there with a positive message, you know, regardless of our background. You know, mm. I'll work with anybody. I'll work, I don't care whether, you know, what 
country you come from. I don't care. You know, I've got clients who, you know, English is, is their second language. So mm. I've got to be a lot more present to understand and go through their accent. But at the end of the day, my intention is for the betterment of their life and, you know, enriching their life. I don't care whether they can... Um, obviously, I need to communicate with them, so they've got to have some level of English. Mm. But it doesn't bother me what background they are. They are. Mm-hmm. And the more people like us that are predominant and, and out there with that message, I think that um, you know, those elements of racism will die out in time yeah. because it's not tolerated. It's Absolutely. definitely not what people want. That's right. Um, so we'll move on to um, to success, you know, and I feel like that word, uh, you know, the meaning of that word can be interpreted many different ways. That's right. Um, what does success mean to you? It, that's a good question because success has meant different things to me throughout my life. And people need to understand that just because success means one thing to you right now doesn't actually mean that's going to be the thing for you in the future. The definition of success is such a hard word. I mean, for me, when you asked me when I was in my teenage years, success meant having a great relationship and a beautiful wife. Now, I was able to achieve that by the age of 21. Now, in my 20s, success for me meant having a good income and losing weight. I achieved that by age of 30, 31. Now, I'm 41 now. What does success mean like to me? And you know, one of the other things that for me success always meant was having a great relationship with my kids and, and for them to be my best friends and I'm the number one influencer, the number one person they come back to. For Not just me, their mother also, obviously. Mm. You know, the mother has a role to play and the father, the father has a role to play. So I've achieved that also. So for me, the next level of success is how can I be the best role model for my kids, mm. whether it's financially, whether it's through my success in the career that I'm pursuing now, and showing them that they can achieve anything that they want. That is success for me right now. 10 years from now, it could be a different answer. But I understand that that's life. Yeah, and that's and that's a pretty powerful answer because um, you know I think a lot of people out there would uh, connect success with financial freedom. Look, I'm all for money. There's nothing wrong with wanting money. I definitely want to make money. I, you know, I want to make enough money so that you know. And money is abundant. The challenge with people putting a financial uh, or a dollar figure to success is that they miss the journey for the goal. Mm. And it's the journey. It's about who you're going to become when you have the money. It's not about having the money. And once you change your view yep. to who do I have to become to make a million dollars a year versus to how do I become a million dollars a year, yep. you're going to miss it. That's uh, that's one of my uh, favorite uh, quotes that I've got on my page on Instagram from Tony Robbins. And uh, and it is. It's said it's not about the goal. It's about becoming. It's about the journey. That's right. It's about evolving into the person that can achieve and be able to handle that amount of money 100 percent. you know because the person that's making a hundred thousand dollars a year versus the person that's making a million dollars a year they have they are completely different people their mindset is yep. different their behavior is different their you know their actions throughout the day the morning the time they wake up the time they go to sleep you know that is different they're a different person that's why one is making a hundred thousand dollars a year and one's making a million dollars a year. Yeah, man, it's a, it's like a different breed. That's right, <laughs> but that doesn't mean you can't become that. No, but how much how much do you want it? How how hungry are you? How, right. What's what kind of uh, you know burning desire do you have within you to push yourself to persevere to stay consistent to be dedicated? 
you know, to reach that that level. That's right. You know, and what are you willing to give up? Yes. Yeah, you know, I Absolutely. see so many people like, oh man, I want so much money, and then you call them up and it's nine, ten o'clock, and they're still asleep. Mate, there is no successful person in this world who is still asleep after five or six o'clock in the morning. Yep. Every successful person in the world is up at four to five o'clock in the morning and they're out there. Smashing it, yep. Yeah. And, and I think about you and, and it reminds me of um, a couple of uh, YouTube videos or podcasts that I was listening to of Gary V. And, um, you know, what kind of message can you give out to people who are your age, for example, 41, and they're thinking, you know what, um, I'm kind of in a stagnant situation, I'm comfortable at my job, my kids are getting older, and, uh, you know, I don't really, you know, they're losing that belief in, in any dream that could be possible for them. Um, how do you feel about that age right now? Mate, I actually feel younger now than I did in my 20s. Yeah. I feel more energetic yep. now. Um, I actually see that my life is on a new journey. Mm. And I have no problem with that. I've had, n- I've had about four or five career changes in my life. Yeah, that's um, great. And, mate, if I'm going to live to the age of 70... 80. 80? I'm only halfway there, right? That's it. I don't want to become one of those people who retires at 65. Yeah. But I want to become one of those people who has a choice to do what he wants at the age of 65. Absolutely. And still follow my dreams. Still be able to help... You know, other fathers, other parents, other men, you mm-hmm. know, the younger generation be able to you know, pass on my knowledge to them, but I don't ever want to retire. I'll retire when I'm dead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Live full, die empty. That's right. <laughs> um, so you talked about uh, males and, uh, you know, wanting to, to be an inspiration and, and help other males become the best versions of themselves. That's right. So, so why are you so passionate about helping males? It's a good question, and for me, when I first started my journey, um, and I first started wanting to help people, I looked around my life. Mm. I looked around, what am I successful at? Where have I helped people in the past that has had a profound impact on their life? And I've helped men and women in the past, but one of the things that I've found has really, really, where I believe I'm quite successful at, is that with, again, my family, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children. Um, I'm very, very blessed and you know, grateful for the opportunity to have the family that I have. But I also know it took a lot of freaking work. Mm. It hasn't been easy. You know, 22 years with my wife, almost 23 years. We've been married for 19 years now. We got together when I was 18. So we've been together more than half of our lives, but it hasn't always been easy. And I look around and I see so many people, again, because we live in a disposable society, that I see this happening, especially with the younger people, and not even just younger people, just people in general, where they look at relationships as disposable. And then instead of fixing it, they get rid of it. Mm. And this is one of the things that my wife and I agreed upon quite at a young age, which is there is no way out except death. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was something we agreed upon. Wow. For us, there is no way out. So no matter how hard life hits us, and it's hit us pretty hard, there has been times when we both looked at each other and like, what are we doing here? Mm. We've been to that brink and back. 
and I've looked, there's been times where I looked at my kids like, how do I connect to them? So I've been to them like I'm losing my kids, but I've been able to come back to that. Mm. Yeah, and for, like for example, yeah, my, my son came in, we went to the National Achievers Congress a little while ago, and my kids came out like, Dad, you've got to be up there. Dad, we believe in you. Don't go out and get a job, Dad. Forget it. This is what you're good at. For, for, to have that is what I want to give other men to have that feeling. Mm. Because no amount of money, no amount of success will give you the feeling of having your tribe, your family, your gang, whatever you want to call it, you know, to be there behind your back 100%. That is one of the biggest things that I've been able to achieve in my life. And I want to be able to pass that knowledge and pass the skills and the skill set and the mindset that you need to have that and play that level. I can take any risk knowing 100% my wife is behind me. Mm. If anything, she tells me not to bloody quit. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, well, that's the last thing that you just said, talking about, you know, your wife um, being behind you. I feel that a lot of people, you know, could be in a situation where they don't have all that support from their partner and they're trying to focus on their dream. They're trying to be the best versions of themselves, but their partner is the one that is stagnant, is the one that's in the comfort zone, is the one that doesn't really care too much about what their partner's doing. They're just kind of happy. Oh, if you're happy, no problem. Yep. So what do you say to people out there who are in a relationship or in a marriage where you've got a dream and you're trying to chase that dream, but your partner's kind of like weighing you down because they don't have the same vision, you know? Interesting. When I first went to my first Tony Robbins event in 2003... I remember coming home probably the first or the second night. And if you've ever been to a Tony Robbins event, coming home after a Tony Robbins event is like coming home from a big night, after a big bender. Because <laughs> he goes from 8 o'clock in the morning to 11, 12. Last event I went to on a Saturday night, he went to 2 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And we started at 8 o'clock the previous morning. And we started again at 9 o'clock the next day. So you come home and you're exhausted and he does that with purpose because when you're that tired, he can really start getting information down to your unconscious mm, mind. Mm. But I remember coming home and I looked my wife in the eye and I said, life was never, is never going to be the same again. And she looked at me and to this day, I remember the look in her face. It was a look of fear, a look of shock, a look of what the hell is my husband going through right now? What are they brainwashing him in? Yeah. And then I came home after the four days, I think it was, it was a four, four and a half day event. And I came home and I was a different person. I was energetic. I was doing this. And there was that pushback from her because she was like, what happened to you? You're a different person. Yeah, you, know, you went last week. You were quite snappy. You were short. And now you're all this you know, bubbly, energetic, motivated. But it took time. Mm. It took time for me to prove that I am that person. Mm. And it took time for me to show the positive impact yes. that it's actually had on our life. And once she saw that, you know what? We were at this stage. We weren't that happy. We were fighting two or three times a week. And look, my wife and I have loved each other for a long time. But like I said, every relationship has its ups and downs. Sure. So you know, we were, I was short. I was snappy. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, babe, that's right. We can get through this. We can do this. Then she was like, Okay, there's substance behind it. It's not just rah-rah motivation. There's an actual change. You're becoming a better person. You're becoming a better father. You're becoming a better husband. She's feeling more love from me because I'm more engaged. I'm more present. I'm mm. in the moment. Not just angry about something that happened at school or at work or whatever it was at the time. 
and slowly she started coming around. Mm. And then about four or five years after that, or maybe even a little bit longer than that, um, we actually did an NLP course together. Yep. Well, actually, we did that probably a little bit earlier. But then after our last um, son, uh, which was probably about seven years ago now, or eight years ago, he's turning eight, so probably about seven or eight years ago, um, I took it to Tony Robbins myself awesome and that just catapulted our relationship to the next level wow and it was at a time when we were actually struggling too. wow wow so be patient but lead by example mm. show that this personal development journey that you're on is actually a positive journey that is having a positive impact on you and those that you love my relationship with my kids got better i was spending a bit of time with my boys mm. when she saw the evidence she had no choice but to turn around and come along on a journey, yeah. but I had to lead the way. Yeah, and I think that that would that would go in a, in a lot of areas, not just in relationships, but just in you as being the person who's taking action, who's evolving, who's growing, who wants to be better. And when you have a lot of people around you who you may have been close to, whether it's friends or people at work, and they could look at you and go, "What the hell's wrong with this guy?" Mm-hmm. You know, and and you can definitely feel the negativity or the you know, people kind of judging you or thinking that you're going crazy. Um, But it's not until they see the results of, you know, how you're growing and becoming a better person do they actually go, wow, he's changed. Yep. And he's better. Yep. You know, and and it is. It's a ripple effect, isn't it? It is, 100%. And that's the thing. When you do, yeah, most people are afraid of change. There are some people that embrace change, but mm. a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of studies out there that show that one of the biggest fears of people is change. So, you know, in organizations, and I've worked in corporate, and I've worked in a, in a number of different organizations, and change management is something that organizations have to actually work towards. Mm. If there's any change in your organization, they usually have a lot of disengagement, a lot of people quitting, etc. time off work. So change is something that scares a lot of people because mm. change is something of the unknown. It's uncertainty. Mm. Um, and we need that. It's part of our human need. But a lot of people are resistant to change. So Grant Cardone, who I'm sure you know of, great he guy. has a great guy, great awesome guy, yeah. sales guy. Yeah. Um, he's got a saying where we start getting attention, you're going to first get criticism, and then you're going to get hate, and then you're going to get admiration. And if you understand that, then once you're changing, understand there's going to be criticism. There's going to be people, oh, man, he's just going through a phase, you know, he's a bit of listening to a bit too much of Tony Robbins <laughs> in the morning. Uh, and then they'll be like, okay, then I, or, then I'll be hate, like, man, why is his life getting better and not, and not mine? You know, why is Luke always happy? He's always got a smile on his face and here I am in a dead-end job, but these guys out there and, you know, I'm making two or three times the amount of money as he is, but he's happier than I am. And then... When they see you really flourish, they're like, I want to be like that. Then people start to admire mm-hmm. it. And you shouldn't be doing it for the admiration. No. You should be doing it for the... For, to, I have a saying which is, don't look for inspiration, be the inspiration. So if your intent is right, people will come around and I'll be like, you know what? You, you've done something well. Mm. I agree with you there. Um, but I'll, I'll say something in terms of the admiration. Admiration for me actually is something that I actually love because what I'm doing is being an inspiration. That's right. And then, so basically what I'm doing is I'm giving and giving 
starts the receiving process. That's right. And then people are admired because they're looking at me going, wow, what an inspiration, but I admire him. That's and right. so it's kind of something that I am learning to actually not discount myself when someone gives me a compliment. And you shouldn't. When someone says, Luke, I watched your live video yesterday and it's absolutely changed my life or it's inspired me. And, I, and for a long time, I've had a lot of people on my journey, um, you know, since, uh, you know, I've been on social media, reach out to me. And, and I kind of played it down a lot because I was just like, I'm just being Luke. I'm just doing what I love. I'm just, I'm really passionate about speaking and, and you know, empowering people to be and live authentically. And I used to discount that a lot when I'd get compliments, when I'd get someone that admires my work. But one thing that I'm learning to now is not to discount that and actually to own that. 100%. Because I am who I am. I love myself and I'm giving back. You know, I'm filling my cup constantly by investing in myself. That's right. And then I'm making a difference in the world. Yep. You know what I mean? So I love that admiration. Um, but you know what you said as well, be the inspiration. Yep. You know, there's nothing wrong with admiration if you are doing that. Like you, you know what I love about you is your number one priority is giving back mm. and giving to the community, giving to the world, giving to other people. The admiration comes not because you're out there seeking it. Yeah, there is 100%. a difference. For sure. I, part of my journey was, and I don't know how much you know or how many of the, how much of this is know about the six human needs. So you've got certainty, uncertainty, significance, love and connection. And then they're the four basic human needs. And Tony yep. Robbins speaks about these. Then you've got the two higher human needs, which is growth and contribution. Mm. So when I first started my journey, significance was my number one um, uh, uh, need mm -hmm. and it showed in my actions it showed in my behavior I was always a show pony I was always you know, I, I'm, I'm an extrovert by, by nature which is fine but that I just wanted that admiration with no substance behind it mm. this was when I was quite young and I didn't have the emotional intelligence that I have now and I've been on that journey and then as I started growing I got to a point where I can only grow so much and for me to continue growing I have to contribute mm. And this is what you're saying. So when you get to that need of contribution, the admiration will come, but you're not out there for the admiration. Yeah, yeah. Because your highest need is what can you give back? Yeah, it's all about adding value to people's lives. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, using your gift of communication to, you know, transmute a, a message, a universal message yep. for the collective, for people to just... Uh, either connect because not everybody's going to connect with your message 100%. you know what i mean that's the beauty of being different that's the beauty of owning who you are uh, and knowing that there is somebody out there that will connect with your message 100%. but you've got to you've got to show up yep you know you've got to show up and you've got to be consistent that's it if you're going to do that you if you're going if you want to change the world or you want to make a dent on the world you've got to be consistent mm. but i just want to touch a little bit of point just a small point about what you said about owning the admiration sure. and the compliments this is also something that is very very important i'm glad you brought it up because many of us because of our self-doubt mm. you know we touched a little bit about mm -hmm. incantations and because of that negative self-talk we discount or push away the compliments yeah. and question why people are complimenting mm, us. Mm, mm. So we need to learn ourselves and then like you're doing now, 
the more you love yourself, the more that you admire who you are as a person, you are confident yep. who you are, the more you're going to be accepting of the compliments. And those compliments should are, and I'm 100% sure they are genuine, but a lot of the times we discount them and it's not because of the compliment, it's because of our relationship with ourselves. Mm. Yeah, I believe that because for a long time I was kind of just like reading these messages or... Uh, whoever would send me a direct message on Instagram and, you know, kind of say, you know, thanks a lot and I appreciate what you're doing. Um, it kind of wasn't hitting me. I was receiving it because I, I, I re- when someone gives me a compliment, I say, you know, I receive that. Thank you. I own that. I, I take it. Um, but with my social media, I definitely was kind of just in a cloud of my own um, intelligence and I wasn't actually receiving it properly. Whereas now I'm actually like, hey, you are Luke Mind Power. You are doing exactly what you're doing. That's right. You're making a difference in people's lives. So fucking own that. 100%. You know? 100%. And, and you'll know the point where you get to the point where, where you get a compliment and you accept it because mm. you're not accepting it in your head. Mm. You feel the acceptance in your heart. Yeah. And many people don't know the difference. So mm. if you can accept a compliment, that means jack shit because... It didn't make it. It didn't change. It didn't. Um, it didn't create an emotion in your body. It didn't move anything in your body. Mm-hmm. But when you receive a compliment and you really truly receive it, it causes an emotional effect in your body. Yeah, but like, and just touching on compliments, and I, and I know this because it's a fact. I used to work in a government department, and I'd be walking through the office, and I'd I'd love to give compliments because that's just how I am. I see someone wearing a nice watch, and I say, "Hey, man, that's a really nice watch." And most people would react by saying, oh, it's only 10 bucks. Oh, I bought it at Kmart. They would actually not receive the compliment. They would be making an excuse as to where they bought it from or why they're wearing it or that it's not theirs. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and um, why is that? Why, why don't people just say, hey, thank you? That's because they have a challenge with their own self-value. Yeah, I think so. And also they have a challenge with the projected or, or they have a challenge with accepting the compliment because they have a view of society or view of the, they might have a view of the world where they don't have a positive view of the world. Mm. The, the way to overcome that in my experience is give people a compliment, but like you're doing, make it personal, but make it something that they are going to value by actually doing something that's out of the ordinary. What I do, for example, with my employees, um, I'll notice little things. Like one of my employees might, might have had her hair done over the weekend, or she's had her nails done, her eyelashes, or something. You know, yeah. I own a gym, so I've got a lot of female employees, got some male employees. You know, for example, we, uh, if one of us lost weight or put on weight, put on some size. Like if one of my PTs put on some size, I'll make a compliment about that. Um, so I make it relatable to the environment For that sure. we're in, mm. um, and then you find that people are actually a bit more, um, a bit more accepting. Mm. Um, the other thing also to make, if you're going to give someone a compliment, first of all, make it genuine, and I'm sure you were. But one of the biggest things that actually makes people accept it is if you look them in the eye when you actually give them a compliment. Eye contact, yeah. I think eye contact in general when you're speaking, to, and so you know what, something that I've I've actually struggled with growing up too is. Just being able to continue to keep eye contact when you're having a conversation with someone, mm. you know, and uh, 
that's another thing that I think a lot of people um, have trouble with. Yeah. When they're speaking to you, they're talking to you, but they're looking up somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and there's a there's look there's is a, that confidence is that uncertainty is that like feeling uncomfortable because you've got someone staring at you. It's you know. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, all of that. Yeah. And it's about you know if you are the person who. And this is one of the things. Well, yeah, when you are in a um, in a position of say power, mm. you know, and there is every every um obviously every uh, uh, connection or every interaction I should say you have with people, there is a power, not a power struggle, but there is someone who's got more power and someone's got so less it's like power. Intimidation in a sense, and so you feel uncomfortable, and so then you. A lot of people who feel that way is because of their own self-confidence. Yeah. And if you are a confident person, you're projecting confidence. So not because like people like you and I would walk into a situation and would automatically have the power in the situation because of our own confidence in ourselves. So our role is to make others confident. Mm. Um, And this is very, very important, especially when you're a father and you're a parent. Again, giving your children, going back to that, giving your children that confidence that they can talk up. Yeah. Um, and that's by going down to their level. If you're speaking to an eight-year-old, squat down and speak to them, look at them eye to eye. Mm. That will build their confidence. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who have those challenges are usually people, like you're saying, who because they feel that they are the person with the less power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Um, what's your biggest fear? That's a good question. Because um, I know you said the, one of the biggest fears is cha- for, for most people around the world is change. Yeah, I actually embrace change. It does. It is scary. It is scary, especially when it's um, unforeseen change. Yeah, for sure. Um, sometimes in life, and I'm sure you've been there, you find yourself with an unforeseen change. Mm. So that is scary. Um, I suppose one of my biggest fears that I've conquered in life is... Um, Fury of public speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know you've spoken about this. You're bullied in high school. I came here as a migrant. Um, so, and I've got a lisp. Yeah. And I've got four S's in my name. So, growing in Southwest Sydney wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, so, I was constantly picked on and so forth. And one of the things that I struggled with until this day, even yep. like now, I still have some issues in terms of. Um, my own confidence in my speech, my own confidence in talking in public, but I overcame that. Again, I was forced to overcome that in my uh, year 12. I had to give a presentation in front of the whole school. Wow. It's um, part of my English assessment, mm. and I had to overcome it. Um, so I... <sighs> How do you feel now about public speaking? I actually thrive on it. Yeah, you like it? I love it. Yeah. I actually get an adrenaline rush. Yeah. Um, because I was fortunate enough to actually give a really good presentation because I was so scared. I was scared shitless. And I'd <laughs> never, ever studied or worked as hard for an assignment in my life. Yeah. And I'd practiced that assignment, that presentation, off by heart, day in, day mm-hmm. after hours, hours and hours, because I knew I wanted to lift for boys high. Mm. So it wasn't, you know, it, it, it was a pretty rough school. Sure. And we were in a school auditorium, all the year 12 boys, you know, and... Um, I knew that if I didn't get it right, I was going to get nailed. Yeah. So I practiced, man. I practiced. Even my mother would walk in like, why are you practicing in front of the mirror? I'm like, mom, this is such an important 
uh, assessment. Yeah, yeah. And then when I got up and gave the presentation, I was fortunate enough because I put in the effort, I put in all the hard work prior, I actually got a standing ovation. Wow. And a lot of my um, colleagues, a lot of my peers, I should say, even the teachers were like, whoa, where'd that come from? And I gave the presentation after the school captain. Mm. So it was even more intimidating because you can imagine a school captain being quite a popular boy. So that's how I overcame my first fear. Um, my second fear was probably heights, which is why I love doing uh, bungee jumping and skydiving. So you have, you've done bungee and skydiving? Oh, 100%. The only way to overcome a fear is to do it. Well, because my, you know, my biggest fear is public speaking. I'm still growing. I'm still, you know, getting more confident on stage. But then the next thing that goes when I think of fear is jumping out of a plane. And I'm afraid of heights, definitely. But I'm at a point in my life where I'm ready to climb the Harbour Bridge, for example. Go Um, jump out of a plane. (laughs) Go jump out of a plane. But jumping out of a plane for me, it's just like I'm not, I just, tell me about that experience. It was If you were originally afraid of heights. Well, by the time I jumped out of a plane, I'd already done two bungee jumps. Yeah. Um, and you know what the reality is? Bungee jumping is, is a lot scarier than really? skydiving, in my experience. Because bungee jumping, you're looking at there and the ground is right there. For when we're playing, you're so far up, the ground looks so far, yeah. it's actually not as scary. Um, especially if you're doing a tandem bungee jump, you've got an instructor with you. Um, so I did my first bungee jump on my honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it with me and my wife. We did a tandem jump. Yeah. She didn't go on any free fall rides for 10 years after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just jumped. I was like, like, I got to the top and I was like, you know, I should pull the video out, turn it into a CD or something. And I like, I got to the top, I'm like, oh shit. Like I was excited, excited. And I'm like, you know what? I've just paid for this. I might as well just jump. <laughs> and I just jump. And um, yeah, and I've done a few since then. So I've done in Thailand, I've done in New Zealand, I've done skydiving. And you know what? Every single time, the adrenaline afterwards and just that feeling of conquering that fear is just so powerful. Yeah, that's, it's pretty... Um pretty amazing man um because those are the two things that always come up for me obviously the public speaking i'm still working on that um but like you said adrenaline you know and you know i feel that adrenaline every single time that i get up in front of people you know and it's the same thing as me um you know understanding that the more that you do something the more confident you're going to get at it you know and it was like with uh, uh, Instagram, for example, you know, or Facebook, when I started my speaking course, doing a video was nerve-wracking. Doing a Facebook Live, I was afraid of doing it because I was afraid of the judgment. Yep. I was afraid of people seeing me. And obviously, I would say that that is something that a lot of people deal with in their mind is before they're going to do something, whatever it may be, if it's public speaking or it's, you know, going for a new job or it's getting out of a relationship or um, moving to another country, whatever the situation, it comes down to all the time, what are people going to think of me? Yep. So how can we help other people out there? Like I'm, I'm still, I'm moving away from that now. I'm really getting dangerously powerful in a point where I don't give a shit about what people think of me and I'm really leaning into my authenticity. But what kind of a message can you give to people out there 
to stop worrying about what people think and to really, really just live their truth, listen to their intuition and, and start really taking action and doing what feels right for them. Mate, that in itself is a major topic. There are so many tools available to us that we can do. For example, um, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of the five second rule, and I'm not talking about the one where you drop the food on the ground. <laughs> it's the one where you just count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, and do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, that is a scientifically proven rule. Um, it's a woman called Mel Robbins. She's written a book about it. Yeah. Um, and you know what? That is probably a very, very powerful tool. But the other thing is, have a look at the evidence in your life. One of the things that I tell my you know, I tell people in general is look for evidence where you have been outstanding. Look for evidence where you were great. Mm. And every single time, look at the behavior that you actually portrayed. What are the things that you did? Find that greatness in you mm. because it's there. The challenge is our mind is why to protect us. And that's what our mind is for. Mm. Our mind is there to protect us from harm and from danger. So therefore, until we understand that, and then we start to consciously look for the positive and look for the um, look for the evidence of how we where we are great, we're going to keep going back to that. Mm. The other thing I always believe in: if it scares you, do it anyway. Because the moment you go through that is the moment of growth. Yes. Every single one of us grows out of pain. We are born from pain. We grow from pain. It's not a two-minute subject that you can cover. It is a lifelong commitment mm. that you've got to have for yourself. Do I get scared now? Hell yeah. Mm. Just like you. There are times where I'm like, man, I've got to go on I've got live tonight. I've got to do this. Mm. Or what do I talk about? You know, I don't know. Why are people going to listen to me? Who am I? But then, you know what? Every time I find a way. Mm. And every time I find the evidence that, you know what? I do have value to give. I have so much in my life experiences that I know can contribute to other people and make their life better. And as long as my intention is there and that's what it's for, I find a way. Mm. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's, there's definitely growth in uh, when you actually feel the fear and do it anyway. That's right. And it's something that I've become addicted to. Like I, if something scares me, that means I've just leveled up. Yep. If I've taken action on it. Yep. You know what I mean? So uh, it's it's really powerful to be self-aware and not to retract. As, as, as Obviously, the situation has to be positive. Yep. has to be beneficial yep. in a sense. Um, but if you're not willing to take the risk or, you know, feel that fear and do it anyway, then you really can't complain if there's no change yep 100 percent. you know i totally agree with you and the yeah that ad addiction that you spoke about that is a positive addiction because <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> we <laughs> can talk so we can talk about some negative ad yeah. addiction and that's the thing i mean the word addiction in itself it sounds negative but if you're addicted to helping people if you're addicted to becoming a better person yeah you're much better off doing that than being addicted to being a negative person, to putting people down. If you're addicted, if you get pleasure from helping other people, if you get pleasure from putting a smile on someone's face, that's an addiction I want. 
because I know by being addicted to making people's lives better, I'm bettering myself and I'm bettering other people. I reckon, I reckon I'm going to start a, um, a business about um, getting people addicted. <laughs> <laughs> getting people addicted to being happier. Oh, mate, instead of cocaine and, and <laughs> ecstasy and MDMA and whatever else people are using. That's right. Uh, let's, let's start a new addiction. Yeah, mate. <laughs> Where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's so cool. So, um, one thing that, you know, I, I've done in a lot of my interviews with a lot of people that I've interviewed over the last seven months, especially using my Instagram platform, um, is a question of adversity. And a lot of the times the pain that we have to go through in our life and and what we're dealing with turns into our strength. Um, so what has been something in your life that has been absolutely excruciatingly painful or difficult that you've had to deal with that's a good question um you everyone's life has their ups and their downs and their challenges you know i've been in situations where i've been fired i've been in situations where i've lost my job i've been in situations where i've lost business partners um and all of those were hard mm. the hardest situation for me was the moment I kissed my wife and I didn't feel love. Mm. And that is probably the hardest situation I've ever been in. Wow. And it was at that time that I remembered my commitment and my promise to her and that I said to her, I want to fall in love with you again. Mm. And then we committed to falling in love with each other again and working towards never falling out of love with each other anymore. And that's probably the hardest time and being vulnerable enough to face that reality and being strong enough to say, what the hell do I do? But also being strong enough to sit her down and say, we have a problem. I don't want to lose you. You're the mother of my kids, but I don't feel that I'm in love with you anymore. And... To have that courage to sit down and tell your significant other, as someone who's carried through your children, who's stuck by you no matter what, that that's how you feel, and being open to whatever reaction she's going to have, because not knowing what she's going to react, that was scary. Mm. That was probably the scariest and hardest time of my life, because it was at a time where I thought I was going to lose everything, because mm. no matter how much money I have... If I lose her, I lose everything. Yeah. And I wasn't willing to do that because I loved her, but I didn't feel that burning desire, that passion, that lust, that, yeah, that what a husband and wife has. I loved her as a woman. I loved her as a mother of my children. I was never going to turn my back on her, but I wasn't, didn't have that burning desire for her at that stage of my life. Mm. And the reality was we had some major issues to deal with. Mm. So what was the major key to like turning that around? Because I think there's probably a lot of people out there who would be in marriages or relationships where, you know, they are feeling a disconnection. Mm-hmm. They may have maybe feeling it for the last two years or three years or maybe just recently. Yes. What's the key to, to actually falling back in love? A lot of fucking work. It's first of all, a commitment from both sides. Yeah. Like I said to you, my wife and I committed to each other 
when we got married that there is no way out except death. Mm. The only way our marriage is going to end is if one of us dies and not one of us killing the other. (laughs) 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 So we had that commitment. So we knew and we we repeat that to to each other all the time. Mm. So the work, it was first of all being committed to making it work. Once you have the commitment and understand the word of what commitment means, commitment means there's no other option. Mm. You can't go, you, I'm sure anybody who's listened to motivational speakers and so forth, you know, you would have heard Tony Robbins say, if you want to take the island, burn the boats. So there's no way out. If you're going to take an island and you don't have any boats, you've got to fight with everything that you have to take the island. Mm. So for us, there is no exit. That's it. We are here. This is our relationship till the day one of us dies until we both die. Yeah. So that was the first thing. And then from that commitment, we sat down and we spoke about what it is. As hard as it was. Communication. Yes. And being present present. and listening. Yeah. Because I said things to her that she didn't want to hear. And she said things to me that I didn't want to hear. Mm-hmm. But I had to listen mm. and understand it's a process. It wasn't fixed overnight. Man, it took a long time, but it took a commitment. So now I can paint a picture and understand a little bit more about how your experiences can now be of su- such um, benefit for other males out there who may be feeling disconnected, who may be struggling in their marriage, where you can actually come in from the experience and have your wisdom impact their lives so that they can you know repair yep their wounds yep and and that's pretty amazing but what do you say to somebody who and i i get what you're saying with the whole um you know we made a commitment we're staying together forever it's till death do us part right but what about if someone is in a relationship or marriage and they've been in there for 20 years and there's a big disconnection and it's just falling apart. Yep. Like, do you still believe in that whole thing of, you know, you ha- you can fix it, you have to fix it, and you can, you know, if you started uh, loving each other from one day, then you it should be forever. I don't necessarily believe that, no. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this has worked for me. For sure. Okay. There are people who out there who may be in a relationship and they no longer serve each other's purpose yeah. and serve each other. And that is a decision that they need to make. Yeah. But to do that, you've got to come with an open mind. For sure. Are you willing to go through the tough time mm. to make it work? Mm. One of my clients... How I much have, do you want it? That's right. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes people need to make a decision that this is not the right relationship that I'm in and I need to move forward. Okay, it's about having the right intention for you and for your partner. Mm. If I knew that my presence in my wife's life was going to be a negative effect on her life, then because I love her, I would let her go. Mm. And if I know her presence in my life was going to have a negative effect on my life, then because I love her, I'd have to let her go. Mm. That's priority is to look after the well-being of both people. Mm-hmm. And if that means these people need to be apart to be able to flourish, then so be it. Yeah. I'm not giving a judgment and saying, no, I'm against divorce, I'm against people breaking up. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying for me, yep. my wife and I, we make each other grow. And that's inspiring. Thank you. 
It's amazing. So congratulations on that. Thank you, brother. Um, how do you feel about haters? You know, I think when someone decides to change, when someone decides to evolve, to grow, to put themselves as a priority and to do things in life that, uh, you know, probably not the norm mm-hmm. um, and they start following their dream or they, you know, may just be moving to another country or may just be disconnecting themselves because they're like, you know what, I've been doing this for 20 years. It's time for me to move somewhere else or do something different. Um, how do you respond to people who project negativity towards you or who look, might jump on your Facebook or look at what you're doing in your life and, um, and not give you the support that you expect? It's a good question. And when I first started my journey, um, I genuinely want to help people. Yeah. Um, and like you do, I wanted to make a positive impact on the world. But not everybody came. Not not everybody's on the same boat mm. or on the same page. Yeah. Um, even to the point where I had, um, yeah, you know, family members and other people who I'd known through work, um, project some hate towards me, and it was quite confronting. Okay. The main thing is, I truly believe what other people think of me is none of my business. But then also. I had to look at it and process what they're doing and try and understand where they're coming from and what they're projecting. Mm. Because at the end of the day, we project what we are on the inside. I believe so that. So if you're going to project hate, then I feel sorry for you because you've got a lot of issues to deal with on the inside. You need to heal. That's right. Yeah. They do need to heal. Um, so when people project hate, I process it. I take it on board and for me I remind myself that it is their own issues and not mine yeah but I also take account as to why it happened because if I'm giving out a wrong message and look one of the things that we come on this journey is in the beginning we're trying to find our feet Mm. so our messages might not be congruent they might not come out the right way yeah we might say something that may be taken interpreted the wrong way so take on the feedback and is there something you can learn from it? Maybe that person is trying to give you feedback, but because they don't understand or they don't have the tools to give the feedback in the right way, they've come across as haters. Yeah. I genuinely believe people come, people do the best they can with the tools they have. Mm. People are generally not out there to hurt people. Everybody usually, generally speaking, 95%, 99% of the world, generally want the best for others. However, it's the tools they have. Mm. Like we spoke about um, earlier on with our parents who did the best they can to with the tools they had and now we've got better tools for our children. Our parents have the right intention and we love them, we respect them and so forth. But we also understand they're doing the best they can. Mm. So sometimes a hater could be that. If a person is just a negative person, they're out to get you because they hate you, well then fuck them. Yeah, look, I know, I, I, get, I get what you're saying and, and I agree with you. It, it is a reflection of their, you know, inner um, energy. That's right. That they're holding on to from whatever situation or circumstance that they've been through and they haven't healed it and they feel, uh, you know, um, that they need to give you some sort of feedback that may not work with you. That's right. Um, but, you know, talking about our parents again... Um, definitely we, you know, for me, 
like my mom's very, very religious, for example. And, uh, you know, I speak with a very universal tongue. I'm very open to every person and every religion that they've, you know, lived through or whatever. Um, but my mother still kind of projects the, the one religion towards me. And I don't, I don't vibe with that. Right. Um, and so for me, it's, it's, it's been that, uh, you know, I'm kind of just learning to understand that, you know, she's lived through the life that she's lived. She knows what she knows. And, um, and I kind of respect that. You know what I mean? I kind of go, okay, don't react, you know, don't react to that quote that she just sent me, which, you know, says Jesus or whatever, because that's what she wants me to project. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's hard because it's your son. You know what I mean? And I, I get it, but because my message is so universal and I'm, I'm here as a messenger to help everyone, you know, I, I don't want to send a message of division of, you know, this is what I believe in and this is what's right and this is what you should be doing. You know what I mean? Yep. So um, it is just being self-aware, mm -hmm. you know, being conscious, being self-aware that, uh, you know, people have their own opinions, That's right. but... It's none of your damn business. Exactly. <laughs> you know, one of the things I teach my sons, and uh, especially, you know, growing up, and this is something I really drilled or, you know, um, influenced or brainwashed, whatever we want to say. You know, the reality is, as a parent, you do have a lot of power over children. And it's that power growing up. You can either, you know, this is why it's so important for me to get the fathers and the parents to become better people because that's going to influence the, the family. So back to what you were saying, I've instilled and, you know, and influenced my kids to really believe what other people think of you is none of your bloody business. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. So uh, I really appreciate your time with Sim. It's been absolutely a pleasure to have you on episode number two of Hustle and Motivate. I, uh, I, I'm blessed to have you here. Um, and I just want to know, uh, in closing, you know, what does hustling and motivation mean for you? That's an interesting question, which you asked me that before. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, hustling is about going out there and just going after your dreams, yeah. whatever it is. You know what? Nobody, nobody has ever changed the world, had a realistic view of the world. Mm. So whatever your dream is, Go out there and get it. Go out there and, tr and and do everything you can to get it. Yeah. And motivate is, like I said, be the inspiration. Live a congruent life internally and externally. If you are doing something in hiding that you're not proud to do in public, then there's a question of congruency there. Mm. To motivate people is not about going up there and talking and you know, giving them rah-rah. To motivate people, be the leader that they inspire to be like. I love it. Wasim, thank you so much. Uh, Rumi said, what you seek is seeking you. And uh, it's truly true when you start following your path and you start being authentic and you start following your dream, your dream will start coming closer to you. If you enjoyed this podcast, episode number two, please share it with your friends. Uh, leave me some comments. I would love to hear back from you. Uh, if you have anything that you'd like me to talk about for episode three, let me know. 
Um, I appreciate your time. Sending you much love. This is Luke Mind Power. Thank you so much, Wasim. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Luke. I look forward to hearing more from you. Awesome. Much love, everybody. Peace.